This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. Sandy Van Alstein to uh, be with me today. She is just such a bright light for Jesus. Uh, I met her at a conference and just immediately just felt like a real kindred spirit with her. And um, I've had the opportunity to kind of check her out. You know how when you know somebody's amazing, but you don't really know a lot about them. And uh, But I just knew the first time I met her that she was just an amazing woman and an amazing Christian and just really has something to say to the world. And um, I wanted to invite her on to just um, tell her story about how her and her husband got saved and their life and their children and their business. She's an entrepreneur. She's a woman of God. They're, they're, uh, they have a you know, discipleship center that they've just started. Uh, they really love the body of Christ and are really serious about helping equip young people to be amazing, amazing, uh, successful Christians. And, um, Sandy, I just want you to, um, just tell me your story. I want to hear how you got saved and how, you know, about you and Eric getting married and your children. I just want to hear your life story. I think everybody will be so blessed by that. Yeah. Well, first I just have to say, when I met you at the conference, I just knew we were going to be friends immediately, right? When you got a same, same fire, same things that you were speaking and God was putting in your heart were the same things this whole last year. God was putting in my heart. And I just went, mm, I have to know her. I have to know her. She's amazing. So anyway, it's just, uh, I'm just thankful that God brought us together for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, you know what, um, I probably would have shared a little bit of a different story with you, maybe even 10 years ago. Um, and definitely 20 years ago, 10 years ago, than I am even sharing now because now I'm edging up on 50. And looking back at my life, I'm seeing how prophetic even the way I got saved was. Wow. And the way God drew, drew me. So I, I wouldn't have told you the same story. I would have had maybe a little more works and lack of works and things like that. But now I just kind of stand back in awe and just say, wow, God, you have just woven this incredible tapestry that I couldn't see at the time during all the seasons. You know, the tapestry is this weaving up and down, which means you're kind of going up and down. Um, just this weaving. And, um, so I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, I lived in a small town. And so if you would have asked me, were you a Christian? I would have said, well, I'm an American, right? You know, it's kind of like the checkbox <laughs> that you, you're filling out a form. Are you, you know, are you, you know, you're born in the United States check. Are you a Christian check? Because in my mind, I just didn't know very much. And I just thought it was like, oh, we have 10 commandments in the courtroom. So that's just kind of part of being an American was being a Christian. So I probably would have told you I was um, in my younger years, but I didn't um, come to Christ until I was an adult. Um, and um, I was at, it, it, the way I got saved was so unconventional and it was almost uh, unique for me to tell the story again, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because people would kind of turn their heads kind of like, what? But now I see the beauty in it because what God is calling me to do now at almost 50 years old. Um, but I was driving down the road, uh, I think listening to something horrible on the radio. And I looked down and I saw a bumper sticker with a radio uh, address on it. And so I turned my dial over to that thought I hadn't listened to that. And, and I had come from a small town and moved to Seattle on my own when I was 17. And so I was, you know, around Seattle and I turned the radio um, dial to there 
and there was this guy talking and it kind of caught my attention his the way he talked and um i didn't i hadn't heard preachers back then really so i didn't really know what that was it kind of to me it resounded as like a self help kind of talk <laughs> right so I, uh, I started listening to him and he would talk a lot about god and um so every every night um i started to i realized he was on a specific time every night and i started listening to him and so um anyway it was uh, dr tony evans from uh urban alternative and so i just remember after every time starting to talk to god a little bit in my heart a little bit more a little bit more and then one day i went by um a sign that said uh, uh building that had a Christian bookstore. And I was like, Oh, I bet you I could get one of those things. He's talking about the Bible in one of those in there. So I remember walking in there and, um, asking the gal, um, could I buy a Bible in here? <laughs> she just kind of looked at me sideways. And again, this is, I, I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and we're 2% population Christian. So it's a little bit different than the South. Um, but she shows me this big old wall of Bibles and, um, and I'm just like, I thought there was only one, you know, <laughs> but, but she explained it a little bit to me. And so she recommended an IV Bible for me. And, um, I just started reading it, um, according to what I was hearing every night. And I was living in a, a, a not a good situation. And I just felt God just drawing me and drawing me and drawing me. And, um, uh, one day I ended up calling this girl who I knew from my high school years was a Christian. And, um, and I thought she lived in my old hometown, but she only lived 30 minutes from me. And I didn't know that out in Seattle. And so I called her and I said, you know, I've been listening to a radio show and they're talking a lot about being a Christian and, uh, what that means and God. And I just, I don't even really know what I'm doing, but I can feel God calling me to him. Wow. And um so she just said, Well, where do you, where are you? She was literally thinking she was gonna drive to my own hometown to talk to me. And I told her where I was. She goes, I'm 30 minutes away. I'll be right there. So I gave her my address. And um so I gave her my address and literally she was there within 30 minutes. And she talked to me for a couple hours and we prayed together and she said, Hey, you know, this week I've got, we meet at my house. Um, why didn't you come out to my house? So I started going to her house, uh, for Bible study, which she had like a little home branch church. And I got baptized in her bathtub and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. And yeah. So baptized in the bathtub. And so it wasn't for a little bit later, they actually walked into a church ever. Um, so, and that, uh, church I ended up going to eventually was where I met my husband. Isn't it amazing that, isn't it amazing? God got a hold of you with a radio station Yeah, and, and what you thought was just a self-help guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there was, and, and, and I, I did, you know, I started listening to some of the music because, you know, it would be on after the music would come back on and I'd keep it on there. And then after, I think, I think after maybe three weeks or so, I just, that was all I had on. And that worship just started melting my heart and God just started speaking to me. And, and I think it's just so interesting now because what God has called me to now out in the marketplace, um, it's not necessarily everybody will come into a church, you know, right. it's people to minister where they're at um, and, and equipping just the body of Christ to understand you're a minister where you're at um, in the workplace. I'm in the workplace. Um, I'm, I work in my community. I'm in my city a lot. I work with city leaders and to understand that, um, you're building a relationship with people this, that may never step into a church for, for years, you know, on end. So, um, so I just think it's just really interesting. And, and, and where we're starting now too, is in our home, in our uh, discipleship efforts, just, um, so I just think it's just really interesting that God ended up, you know, having me pray a prayer in somebody's home. And baptize me in somebody's bathtub. Wow! <laughs> got 
spirit and really discipled me in somebody's home because God has just really been speaking to us lately. And I think um, you heard this when we were uh, speaking at the conference together and especially this year that God was calling uh, people to, to make their home sanctuaries. I believe that. I believe that. Um, yeah. And to make their home sanctuaries. And I just kept hearing this and I had been at my same church planted for 27 years. So a long time. Um, and, and, and there's stories and ups and downs to that too. But, um, but I just kept hearing, make your home a sanctuary, make your home. And so, and then he showed me a vision of, um, and I, I had, uh, uh, home births. So, he just kept saying home births, there's going to be home births. And, you know, and I really didn't bring it around to my own salvation until recently that, you know, God is going to be birthing new, new believers around a kitchen table, uh, around a living room, around a fireplace. Um, so many times we get stuck in this mentality that we have a professional preacher <laughs> and, right. and we bring, we bring people in, we're in relationship with to the professional. Uh, whereas God saying, no, I want you to build relationship and bring, you know, before you invite them to church, invite them over for dinner. That's exactly invite right. That's invite, exactly invite right. them to your home. Yeah. Yeah. Invite them to your home, invite them to your kitchen table. And um, uh, in fact, even when, uh, when Jesus sent out the 70, he kind of had a pattern going. He's just, he, he said, you know, bless the place where you're at. So for me or for you, if it's a, if it's a workplace or if you work in the city, you bless the people there, you bless the people there. It says go into their home. I mean, and, 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 and also that would mean have them into your home and it means have fellowship with them. So first pray for them, talk to God about them before you talk to them about God and then fellowship with them, have them in your home. Um, do life with them, just, uh, love, love on them. And, and then meet their supernatural needs. You know, what do they need prayer for? What, I mean, when you get close to somebody, they start pouring out their heart to you. And what do they have need of in their life right now? And let God meet their needs. Like God was meeting mine before I had ever said a prayer. And, um, then from that point, you know, you can share the gospel with them. You know, they've, yes. they've realized that God is real and he's powerful and he actually cares about them. And he cared about them while they were still yet sinners. Yeah. When, um, the, church gets, when the church gets the revelation that we are evangelists, we are yep. teachers, we yep. are pastors, yep. we are prophets. Yes, uh, we, we we literally the fivefold ministry is in us. It's we're yep. filled with God, and if yep. we, we're not supposed to just drag them to church and then hope that the preacher preaches yes. something that will prick their heart. If we right. love them and mentor them and be friends to them, getting them to church is not going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, if we see the you know professional, the professionals are you know to equip us to the non-professional because I've never been paid, you know, for any ministry work or, and I, I set aside because I have a pastor's heart and I, I feel like that there's a lot of people. And when you don't realize that, uh, you have a pat when, when you don't realize somebody who has a pastor's heart, you don't maybe won't call it a pat, you know, they'll call it, Oh, I just, you know, people just tell me things or people sure. uh, pour out their heart to me. And, and you really care to bring people, you know, somebody to the next level. Um, we end up with like big churches that are kind of like orphanages. You know, it's like the, we all understand we're God's kids, but if we don't activate the pastors who are within the congregation or out in the workplace, um, it's just too much for one single professional to handle, first of yeah. all. And therefore, we just end up not people not are not pastored. And I feel like, um, one of the reasons God was saying, you know, open up your home and make your home a sanctuary is because God always intended the church to look like a family. Yes. And he, he intended the church to look like a family. Even communion was breaking bread and that's around a table. And so much is supposed to be done around a table. And so many people just don't have that family. And, um, another thing I do, 
as huh? pastors, as pastors of a church, of course, I, I've been in, I've, for many years, I was much like you doing a lot of pastor work, but I worked in a sec, a secular job and, yeah. um, but it still didn't change the fact I had a pastor's heart and I, and right. somebody termed uh, or coined the term here, pastoring from the middle. And mm-hmm. really as pastors and leaders of churches, we should be training our people to yeah. be pastors and empowering them to yeah. pastor because whether they're doing it for a living or, you know, that's their only source of income or not, because uh, the harvest is great and we can't, we can't just depend on the uh, mega churches with the, with the guy standing in the pulpit, you know? Right. You have to, um, we think about, we, we like a, a culture of love and release, love and empower um, not fear and control. Right, right. If you, if you love and empower and release um, people to be trained and, and equipped um, to be able to share their own story, to share their own, you know, testimony. For me, I was a hurting heathen, you know, and I, I, I didn't want anything fake and I needed to hear the voice of God for myself. And I'd like to say, oh, everything was you know, perfect from the beginning, but God just brought me on this journey of knowing him authentically. And I had to go through, you know, later, I didn't know about deliverance, you know? And so I struggled so much with so many things because I simply just didn't realize I had, um, the spiritual influences in my life, which is a whole nother story, (laughs) but this brings you on this amazing journey. And, and even in, um, in 2012, man, um, I got re- I got filled with the Holy Spirit in just a whole new way um, post deliverance, post all the things that God wanted to work in and out of me, and and some I just have been on fire right. <laughs> ever since. And and God has just really been speaking these, um, you know, feed my sheep discipleship um, to my heart. And ever since then, I have just. Um, like I, I make appointments pretty much every day, but two days a week, I just schedule out appointments just to meet with people. I have almost like a, a coffee pastoring <laughs> ministry sure, sure. because just I, I back, you know, back to back meet with people and sometimes it's coffee shops, sometimes it's my house, but, um, I just, my heart breaks for orphans. I mean, I was one of those orphans. I, I recently, um, and I'm talking like kind of spiritual orphans. Um, I was recently praying and God in the last couple of years has given me a intercession gift, which isn't quite as pleasant <laughs> because I have uh, also I'll often feel the symptoms of what I'm praying for. And he had, I started praying and I was praying uh, for mothers and fathers for these orphan hearts. I was God, you know, asking God to bring forth the mothers and fathers that are out there. Um, so many times, you know, especially in, you want to stay trendy in the church, you want to stay relevant, uh, which is so important, but we can sometimes discount the mothers and fathers. Right. And so I was just, you know, calling out because without these mothers and fathers, bringing the young people, not just into a um, apostolic meeting, which is a lot of times church is an apostolic and a evangelistic meeting, but it's not necessarily the place for it, where as much discipleship happens in that 30 minutes. Sure. And, and discipleship really happens. If you look at what Jesus did, he brought people along his side and did life with them, you know, meals. They, I mean, everything was together. They did life together for three years. So we have to have these mamas and papas um, who really understand what their role is, is to bring people in and do life with them. Have them over to your home. Again, make that home a sanctuary. Bring in people to do life with. That's where you see where people are really at, um, where their struggles are, that they won't tell you at that 30 minutes of church. Right. Um, But anyway, I was just really interceding and praying for these orphan hearts because I've been praying in these mamas and papas and man, it was such an intense experience. I don't really want to go through again, but, um, the, the level of deep pain and wound that's in a lot of people because they don't feel nurtured. They've they've never been nurtured. They, 
maybe go into a large building, you know, for an hour a week, but they've never experienced what it's like to have a mother or father in the Lord, somebody who takes them in, who nurtures them, who, anyway, I was just, I was praying for this and I just, the, the deep wailing and weeping that came over me and the God, Lord just showing me this wound and saying this wound, um, he wants to start healing in a lot that. of people. And, but what it's going to take is a lot of mamas and papas and you don't have necessarily have to be, you know, 50 or whatever to be a mama and papa, no. but somebody who has the heart of a pastor, because I mean, really, if you look at the new Testament, when, when, uh, Paul talks about putting in elders. Um, that's literally what it meant was old people. <laughs> people <laughs> you know, that, that, that now you think about your children, you think about yeah. your own biological children. So many kids do not have a mother and a father to direct them in any way in practical things. Right. And, and, and so we have these tons of people coming into our churches that never even, a lot of them never really even had good natural parents. They may have had some sort of parenting, but I find there's an epidemic of people in our church and in other churches that never had natural parenting. And then you put on top of it, now they're not getting spiritually parented. They come to a church, the church may be wonderful. They have a good, great hour long sermon. Uh, but if they're not even, you know, cell groups are wonderful, especially if, if the people leading the cell groups have a mother and father's heart. And like you say, that's not necessarily an age thing. That's a maturity thing and a calling. But I absolutely know that this is an epidemic and we've got people coming into our church that will look to me and Todd and Cindy, not only as spiritual parents, but they're looking to us to help them with practical things. And I find myself spending time on their phone, helping them with as much practical stuff as we do spiritual stuff because they've not had parents. Right. And it is an epidemic, but I do believe with you, Sandy, that the church is making a turn and we are going to return to the book of Acts church. I really believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing about, uh, and, and, and I didn't have, I mean, my parents did the best they could. I mean, we, again, we, my, my parents got saved after I did. Um, and they just, my, my dad was just, uh, he just passed this last year, but he went from, um, having addiction and, and just not understanding what it, what it looked like to be a father. Cause he didn't have that in his life. Um, uh, to being just such an incredible grandpa and just an amazing man. Um, God just did a work in his life, but he never, um, I never had that parenting that I so longed for. I never had um, a place to go with the questions and, um, just the struggles. And so, and when I went, I was like, I was probably, I think, I, I can't remember what age it was, but anyway, uh, when I walked into, um, it, it was a smaller church when we started, but we helped, you know, build it, uh, with a core group of people and, um, you know, it was in the thousands and thousands and, um, but there was always this longing in my heart because when you have thousands of people and everybody's looking to a senior leader to be a source um, it's just such a, it's an expectation that can't be met by any yeah, human being. No, it just can't be met. And God, you know, God has to teach us individually that he's our father, sure. you know, ultimately, and he's our parent, but it was all, we were always meant to have God's original intent was family, was this family unit on earth. In fact, if you look at every, um, every bit in the book of Acts or, or church, uh, as the church was developing and Ephesus and, um, throughout the new Testament, all the references were the brethren and the, uh, we were supposed to look like a family, you know, we were supposed to look like kind of like Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, and if you, if you don't have that element in a large setting, um, you can, feel like you're in an orphanage like you know, well you are I mean you look you are yeah you've got two parents who are incredible parents but they have too many kids yes. <laughs> you right. know right. And, 
Right. And, but there's a, the solution to that is when we realize, oh, somebody whose heart to nurture and pastor isn't only in a senior leader. Sure. But it's also, we just, we, sometimes we get care, scared to call somebody pastor in the congregation because we've made that a, an official, somehow, I don't know how, but somehow we've made that the official title for the senior leader of a group. Right. But the, the, the New Testament never had that. Pastoring is a gift of one of the fivefold gifts. And we realize that you could be out in a congregation, out in you know the, the church at large in your community and have that pastoring gift. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I just see um, why well, I feel like the call of uh, in right now for us um, is to bring the, the church back into this family setting. Um, how, you know, w- whether we are going on Sunday to what is often evangelistic and apostolic um, meetings, which are so important, but then to begin to realize um, this, the church is this incredible uh, organic family. And so if you're, if you're like me, or even maybe when I, I, I didn't have this um, revelation in my 30s, and I, I didn't have the foundation that I needed in my 30s, but even if you're in your 30s, and you have this heart, um, or even like my kids, and they're, you know, they're in their upper 20s, um, to see younger people and think, I'm going to bring them home. <laughs> right. I'm going to create this family. I, I created a, um, a, a curriculum um, years ago uh, for community care. It's basically a biblical alternative to government welfare. And in that, I realized that literally it's impossible for us to care for each other without having what I called covenant family. So part of the curriculum was basically saying we don't, always get the natural family that's that's optimal you know and so we have to create this covenant family and that's it's basically saying i promise i will treat you like family you're my brother and sister in christ and that's what the church was supposed to be all along but to have a practical group of people that you say you're my covenant family you know about 30 people or so and um we we take care of you something happens to you i take care of your kids and that there's a mama and papa in that group and that those other people know that, I mean, there's peer level, of course, but the, the, your covenant family knows you're there for each other. You know what, Sandy, that's exactly, you know, our church is not perfect. There's no perfect church, but I will say that is part of the culture of our church. And so good. It, it really is. We have raised this church up. And I've said it from the pulpit and we've lived it out. When you're in trouble, we're in trouble. So good. When you need something, we're going to help you. We're going to help you. We may not be able to make, meet every need, but we're going to do our dead level best. Right. And that does create a safety net for people that have never had family. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we are really passionate about here and Pastor Todd and Cindy and I all is that we don't want to work our staff to death where they don't have family time yeah. where they don't have personal family time. You have to lead the church the way that God would want us to lead the church. And family is important. And yeah. if family it's the is beginning imp- of all church, <laughs> it's the beginning of all church. And so yeah. it has, it's literally has to become a part of the culture of what you're building alongside right. that, what the Holy ghost is building through you really. And, yeah. um, I am so on board with this because I know uh, the Lord showed me something about a year ago. He spoke to me one time when I was praying and he said, Callie, I want you to think about everybody that you took a year out of your life to mentor. And I said, okay, because uh, through my life, I've taken people in to mentor. Now I'm not going to say I do it every year, but I've done it pretty consistently. Okay. And, and I'm talking really meet with them every week love on them, you know, just be there for them. Yeah. And, and I kind of recounted the people through my life, especially since I've been in full-time ministry, because then it became even more important to me. And, and I realized that all of them were solid in the Lord. So good. All of them were solid in the Lord. And it was because 
God was leaving me in this mindset of they need a big sister or a mama. Yep. They need someone that they can pick up the phone and they can talk through things with and they can call you and you can meet them for lunch. You'll rearrange your schedule because they're your spiritual kid or they're your spiritual baby sister, you know? And so it, it helped. We, we were, we're like doing different things in our church to really grow what we call pastoring from the middle because you're right. You're right. It cannot be handled by one man or one woman in 45 minutes on Sunday morning or even an hour and a half. There's too many people. I mean, our church is 350, which is not very big, but still that's too many for me to handle by myself. And so you have to create, if you want to really take care of the people, mamas and papas, uh, pastors in the middle. And, and I, I tell these young ministers that have the call of God, if you can't pastor in the pew, you're never going to be qualified to pastor up there. Right. That's and, and, and think about this though, Callie. Um, think about um, my husband just, uh, he had recently, um, he's been speaking. He, he, he's in the corporate world. He does corporate training, but he also speaks a lot in churches And he was just uh, sharing a message and he asked when he got up, he said, he asked, um, is anybody here a man, a manager of a, you know, of a store and a gal raises her hand and she said, and he said, come on up, come on up. So he had her come up and he asked, um, you know, what store do you manage? And she said, Domino's. And he said, how many people do you manage? And she said, you know, 30 people. And he said, um, how how many hours a week do you spend with each of these 30 people? And she was like, you know, 40 to 45 hours a week with each of them. And he said, and do you just talk to them or do they talk to you? He's like, no, it's a dialogue. We, we talk to each other. And he's like, do you know the details of their life? I mean, do you, or do you have the insights to their family? And she goes, oh, after a while, you know, you, you know every little thing about their life. And he said, Imagine being filled with love, wisdom, and power, the supernatural power of God, love, and wisdom. Who, who's the pastor in that situation? Um, you, have, you, ha- you can have, again, evangelistic, apostolic pastoring meetings, but 30 minutes to an hour at the most a week versus imagine yourself managing 30 people out in the workplace and you're filled with love, wisdom, and power and able to speak love over their life, over to speak wisdom to their circumstances and the power of God for, you know, if they're sick and healing needs that they have in their family, she's a pastor. Absolutely. She's usually a pastor. And imagine every person who has out in their sphere of life has 30 or so people in their world 40 hours a week. Because if you think about it, when you're behind a pulpit, you have on average 30 minutes and it's a monologue. It's not a dialogue. And there's no way you just have to pray, Holy Spirit, you know, give me a word that's going to meet everybody's needs and Holy Spirit meet everybody's needs individually in the pew where they're at. Right. Because there's no way for you to know that that person's father just passed away. And there's no way for you to know that that person's husband said they wanted to get a divorce. And there's no way way for that person to know that that child over there, you know, has a heartbreak and is suicidal. And so there's no way for a person up in a pulpit to know where every single person's at in their congregation. Um, and they're, and like I say, it's a monologue, it's 30 minutes. So they're doing the best they can with that 30 minutes with what the Holy Spirit gives them to speak. But if we empower people and equip people to understand that out in the congregation, out in their workplace, as managers, as leaders out in the community, you have fivefold giftings to not only reach the community, but to pastor the community. Because I think I went through a lot more hardship than I needed to because um, I had that empty spot where I was an orphan kind of from the beginning, you know, pre-Christ, but also years and years and years, I was just trying to function 
the best I could. And, you know, like I said, I didn't even know about deliverance. I didn't know about all these things. Um, uh, it wasn't necessarily for any kind of theological differences. I just had nobody in my world saying, boy, if you haven't overcome this issue in all these years, it could be that you're oppressed. <laughs> you right, know? Right. I had nobody speaking into my life like that going through my twenties and thirties, even saying, uh, if you know, Oh gosh, that's an issue your dad dealt with. And now that's an issue you're dealing with. Um, let's pray because there's generational curses. You know, I had nobody coming alongside me, helping, helping disciple me in these areas. I was just kind of thrown into, um, thrown into service. You know, it's like you find your purpose. If, you know, if you find your spot as an usher or whatever it is, you know, but nobody coming alongside to mama and papa. So anyway, so I, I just, in fact, uh, our good friend and your friend too, Lisa Bevere, um, tells her story of the same type of, a orphan calling, you know, orphan, uh, the calling that she's had to be what she lacked in her life. Um, which was, she didn't have that nurture. She didn't have that parent. So now she's going out to, to mama and papa, and she's actually bringing people under her home now too their whole family is too i think it has to be i think it is and i'm sorry for interrupting i think it has no, no, good i it want has, to hear you it has to be twofold it has to be yeah the church has a function you know the church has a function yes absolutely and teach equip and preach equip yes absolutely equip. yes but, but the church is more than what it is on Sunday morning. If that's all the church is, we're no more than a club. We're no yep. more than a social Absolutely. gathering or, yep. or, or somebody that just happens join to join the Elks Club or join yes. the West. Yeah. Yes. The, yep. the body of Christ is living and breathing seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Yep. And it requires us to, it, I can tell you right now, there are people in this town that I go in the restaurants. They do not come to my church, but I pastor them. They, yep. they, they Absolutely. pray for them. They want to talk to me. They want to come sit at yep. my table. And I don't look at them and say, okay, you're not coming to my church. You're not paying tithe. I don't have time for you. No, I have time for anybody. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, but that's, that's where a lot of it is. Yeah. That's where a lot yeah. of it is. It's, it's more business than it is ministry. And we have got to, be born again. The church yep. has to be born again and realize that we're called to minister to the world. And we may be called to minister to people that will never benefit our local church. Yes. And, yep. but they'll benefit the kingdom. And, yep. and are we in this for the kingdom? Are we in this for the kingdom? Um, and these are questions that everybody that's in ministry has to ask themselves. This isn't, you know, I don't, I can't judge anyone else. The only person I can put on that stand is myself and right. say, okay, how are you, how are you loving people? How are you looking at people? How are you, uh, are you assessing things and making decisions based on criteria that's not godly? Right. And, and I think when we come to terms with that and we really say, God, I want to love everybody. I want to take in the orphans. I want to be the, the mother in Zion that you've called me to be. Uh, I want to have people over my home when it's not comfortable, when I would rather just be by myself that night, you know, uh, yeah. I want to take well, someone out to dinner when I would rather just go hang out with my friend and talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, that's serving. And I, I've been working with our city quite a bit. And, um, again, cause I, I community care, my goal is to, um, re get the Christians back doing what Christians are supposed to be doing and get the government doing what it's supposed to be doing. And, um, so in working with government, um, what I see so often is, the bureaucracy and what it costs to simply replace the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what I, I'm, I, I step back almost in shock and awe <laughs> sometimes because I go in and I peel apart the onion of this bureaucracy that was maybe to help homeless kids um, or what, whatever it is, uh, whatever social initiative it is. I, I peel back and what I peel back and find is um, 
they're trying to spend dollars to replace the family. And it really can't be. You can't, you can't um, make a program into a parent. It just doesn't work. It doesn't. No, it's, it's not, it's not reality. It won't. Yeah. Happen. And, but what we're, what I'm finding is the best solution. And I've been working on a, a initiative for homeless uh, teens, 13 through 17 here in our local community. And what I'm finding is the best solution is actually a Christ centered based organization who has a place to take in kids. It's self-sufficient based on a coffee business, a coffee shop of which, of which church is held in instead of in the four walls of a, 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 a church building. It's actually held in the coffee shop for the kids. And uh, we're looking to expand that as well. Um, but then it places them in godly Christian homes, people who know that they have a calling to be an actual parent to an actual orphan. Wow. Um, and it so far has had a hundred percent success rate. And, uh, when you peel back all the other programs, uh, a lot of the foster systems are trying to create families by, you know, anyway, I, I don't want to talk about all the other, you know, rights and wrongs of all the other programs. Cause a lot of them are really doing the best that they know. But my point is, is that family is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Family's the beginning. Family was always the intent of God. I always, when I, I, since 2012, I've been studying the Bible afresh, um, saying, God, what was your original intent? I've been reading it through the, the lenses, so to speak, of God's original intent for man and God's original intent for the planet. What were, what, what did you have in mind when you started this whole thing and just seeing God through the scripture and realizing, man, he's so the same. Yes, he is. <laughs> you, you can understand so much more of the word when you understand what he meant from the beginning and what his plan for. Again, I didn't grow up knowing the Bible. I wasn't from the South. We just kind of knew the word. Um, I had to, anyway, so for since 2012, I just kind of re reading all of it and I'm seeing his intent all along was family. His intent all along was mothers and fathers. And he always called people brethren. You know, that was brothers, yes. brothers and sisters. And that it, he always desired a family. He didn't, um, and, and he also, well, anyway, I, I won't go too much into it more than just to say he's well, just. I was, I will tell yeah. you, I had this same conversation with someone about my son you know, my oldest son uh, went down a wrong path for a while and got hooked on prescription drugs. Him and his wife both did. And um, we were talking about that, you know, they're, thank you, Jesus. They're, they're straight, they're healed, they're working, right. they're, they're back whole in a good spot again. But if they hadn't have had the family that they had, They'd have been on the street. Right. Their family, God used their family to step in and rescue them. Yep. And, and, and what if they didn't have a mama and daddy like you, but they had a spiritual mama and dad that who could have rescued, you know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. So, yeah. so I, you know, I was talking to this person. I said, there are people, there are young people walking around and they may not even be to the extent that Wes and Amanda got, but they're walking around without parents. They don't have spiritual parents. They don't have, a lot of them don't have a, it's really strong biological parents. And so yeah. we're, we're talking about a whole generation that is parentless. And so the church has got a mandate. Not only do we, and it comes back from the very beginning, we are called to be spiritual mothers and fathers. We are mothers yeah. in Zion. The Bible talks about it. And yeah. um, to be uh, the, the voice of reason, the, the prayer warriors, the, yeah. the helping hand. Uh, yeah. Now, not enabling them in a, in a negative way, but right. helping a, a hand up. And uh, yeah. I absolutely believe that the church has to be restored to that function. Yes. And it has to be restored to that function. It's not yep. that the other functions have to go away. They all serve no. their purpose. Yes. We need equipping. We need, we need yes. those evangelism meetings. We need those apostolic meetings. Sure. We need all of that. Um, and we also need 
to, um, to have people empowered in love to understand their calling. And I will tell you my, my heart, but one of the biggest pains of my heart was to see a large altar call. It, it would grieve my heart to see a large altar call because I felt like this orphanage can't handle any more babies and they're just going to sit there. Babies are just going to sit there and they're not going to be fed and nurtured and grow very often. And that's why my heart has just been on fire for mamas and papas and disciples, disciplers to be able to, when somebody is born into the kingdom, that, that they are surrounded by a, a family. And, and well, I, I think it's the responsibility of the fivefold ministry to teach our churches that you have, you have more of a responsibility than to just show up here on Sunday and write a time check. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think we've, we've created this mindset that somehow going into the building, worshiping, greeting everyone, hearing a great word that helps us for the week. Right. Somehow that's being the church and no, or, 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 I mean, I've even heard it said that, you know, once you find your uh, volunteer spot in the, in the four walls, then that's your calling. And I'm like, Oh heck no, that's a small, very important piece. But your calling is to be part of the family of God. Every joint supplying, you're the body. And 98% of what you do is when you leave the four walls of that church. That's exactly right. That's and, exactly right. You're, you, you find a place of serving in a church, and that's great. That's going to grow your, your love. That's going to grow your responsibility. Yep. That's going to grow your people skills. That's going to teach you how yep. to get along with your brothers and sisters. But that's not your calling. And uh, that was something the Holy Spirit spoke to me about a couple of years ago. He said, I want you to look at the leader's and don't look at them. He spoke to me very, I mean, really candid. Don't look at them as a benefit to your church. What you need to look at them and ask the Lord to show you their destiny and how you can tailor make what they're doing in the church to fit their overall destiny. Yep, their kingdom destiny. I think so many times we just, I think religiously, again, 2012, started reading the Bible in a new way. And I, and I think religiously, we sometimes... Um, we, we sometimes think the presence of God is in the, the four walls of the church and we forget that the whole rest of the world is owned by God. <laughs> right. Sure. He owns the whole planet, you know, and, uh, and, and there's people who need him in the rest of the world. So I just think of myself as I bring kingdom wherever I go. I bring love. I bring uh, the, the love of Christ. I bring the wisdom of God as a problem solver at my work at my, I am, I am a problem solver in this planet. I mean, we are supposed to overcome evil with good. And I think there's, it, you know, you have a purpose. If you walk out the door and you see any type of evil tag, you're it. Our job is to overcome evil with good. And that takes wisdom a lot of it times. It does take wisdom. I mean, it takes, yep. it takes a passion and a, and a, uh, concern yeah compassion and concern and Um, even in the business world i mean i have you know i make products you know i'm a product developer so i make products and so i'm solving problems all the time and those are things i get directly from the holy spirit i just like lord i have to solve this problem with this uh you know chemical contradiction i'm having (laughs) you know you're the great chemist i need a solution so we're supposed to be out in the world with love for people uh, wisdom on solving the world's problems and spiritual power. Um, if we don't have the spiritual power of God, we might as well just go back in the door because there's so many philosophies, so many opinions out in the world. We just become another opinion, opinion without the power of God. One thing that's really been burning in my heart, Sandy, is that the church needs to know what the gospel commission really is. Yes. We need to go yep. back to the gospel commission and we need to know what we believe. Yep. Uh, we, you know, that's discipleship, Callie. That's, that's, discipleship. Just, that's discipleship. That's right. Because yeah. we've got too many wishy-washy Christians and that, that want to, that it's, you know, I, I told somebody the other day who was, who said to me, 
And I, I love t- talking to people that don't believe like I do. I, I love to talk to people that are, are questioning. It, it, it's a challenge for me. I don't get upset. I love it. And yeah. I had someone say, you know, I believe all roads lead to heaven. And we were, we were talking about all that. And I was, you know, giving, giving her the word and loving her. And I said, look, you know, it, it got to one point. I said, I, you know, I wish I could say you were right. Cause if you're right, I'm good. Yeah. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you're not good. And we both started laughing. I mean, I did it. We were laughing. And then, you know, I had an opportunity at that point to just minister to her and love her and, yeah. and, and really get past all this philosophical, you know, she, she didn't really know what she believed, you know, and, but the Lord showed me an insight into her heart and then just sitting there talking to her, just like you said, peeling the onion back, you know, having some discussion. Spiritual power, Holy Spirit giving you an insight, a word of knowledge is spiritual power. And that's, what's going to set you apart from an opinion. That's exactly right. And by the time we got through, and of course I'm praying for, Lord gives me a word of knowledge. She hear, she feels the presence, the power of God, the presence yeah. of God wasn't mean. I wasn't combative, yeah. but, I, but I wasn't wishy-washy either. Right, right. But you, but you know why I'm not wishy-washy? Because I know what I believe. I know what I know. I've experienced this. I've lived this. This, this, this Jesus is the only way. It's the only God. And so yeah. I can sit there and talk forever until I find that open door. Yeah. And we've got to, we've got to take time and love people. And it's okay if they don't agree with us, but if there will come a point, if you keep ministering to somebody that God will open a door that only he can feel. Right. And yeah. And, and Holy spirit has to be the one to change a heart. Uh, And that's why we have to be filled with Holy spirit. And that's right. Um, I, again, just rereading the scriptures, uh, all over again, thinking about seeking first the kingdom of God and then everything else being added. Um, to me now that is a hundred percent abiding. It's just, I am always a hundred percent knowing that I am abiding in him and abiding in his presence and feeling his power working in me. And so I am a kingdom bearer wherever I go, every place my, you know, whether it's in the restaurant or, you know, talking to somebody who's not a believer, anything I am simply, I, I am first and foremost seeking his kingdom, abiding in his presence. And he's the one who speaks the word of insight. He's the one who softens a heart. He's the one who gives that word, um, Cause we can't do that. And, but, but I will tell you what we do need is we do need to have a library of truth, not only for our own selves, but for like, you're saying, Ooh, I think we're tipping there. Didn't realize we were sideways there. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I, it didn't look <laughs> um, good. Uh, so we do need that discipleship because we do need a library of truth. So that um, we can help them and teach. Yes. Them. Yes. And Proverbs three, three is one of my favorite scriptures. Most translations are, let love and faithfulness never leave you, but bind them around your neck, meaning they're you're right here, like a necklace right next to your heart. But the Hebrew of that, but the better translation is truth and mercy. And I think of it like a cross. You have truth and you have mercy. And the truth, let truth never leave you from here to here. And then here to here, let mercy never leave you. But they're ultimately equal. Truth and mercy are to never leave you. So I have the mercy of God um, because I know, I mean, even post believing, um, I struggled with things and I know you did too. We, mm-hmm. we have testimonies. Um, so I have so much mercy on the, the, of how God helps us to overcome through life before we know him and after we know him. Um, you know, mercy of getting saved and then mercy of learning to connect with him and learning to, to overcome with him and, um, learning to be filled with him and abide in him and all this. I have so much mercy. Um, and yet the truth never leaves. And at any point, your mercy is greater than your truth. You're in trouble. Yeah. It's out of balance. Truth is greater than your mercy. You're, you're in trouble. They're supposed to be equal. They're supposed to be equal. The only way for that to stay in place for me with that balance 
yeah. is is prayer, intercession, and God's word. Yeah, you have to have God's word, and that's where discipleship comes in. Mm-hmm. If you, if you have don't have house. the of truth, you're just going to mercy, and you're going to lose all truth, and bless your heart, you have a great heart of mercy, because God, you have the heart of God. God wishes that no one perishes. And so we have so many people that wish no one would perish, which is a beautiful thing because that's the heart of God. But if you don't understand truth and you don't understand what his word says, then you don't, you, you're just the enemy's fodder for, for deception. One of the so, things that you hear so much now, and it, it, uh, it, it really is a, de- it's a deceptive thought pattern. You'll hear people say, I'm speaking my truth, my truth. Right. And uh, my truth can be true, but my truth also can be very false and bad. It, right. It's not founded on God's word because really there is, all, it's true or it's not true. And my truth can be true if I'm living according to God's precepts and principles and according to uh, what the Lord has called me and, and led me into. But if right. I'm just leaving my truth based on my perception and it does not have God's uh, biblical backing, right. it might be my truth, but it's not the truth. Right. And we, ha- and we have to, it's my responsibility to equip the people yep. that God puts in my path so they understand the difference between my truth and the truth. My right. truth can be right and it can be wrong. It depends on what I'm, what, what I'm aligning it to. Right. And uh, yeah. there is so much deception out there now because, because people don't want to think about people going to hell or, you know, missing out. <coughs> I don't, I don't want people to go to hell. Yeah. I don't neither, want, does, neither does the father. He wishes that none would no, perish. None that pay, would Definitely perish. Part of his heart. Yeah. But, but there is a heaven and there is a hell and we yeah. are making choices and we as Christians and all these people that are getting saved, we have a responsibility to teach them the truth, to love them, and to teach them the ways of the Holy Spirit and the ways of, right. of the word, you know, yeah. if we, of the word. Yeah. If we have, um, I mean, I love evangelism and I love um, uh evangelistic meetings and which a lot of our church services are, which are incredible. And again, that's where the the pain in my heart comes is when I see a bunch of, you know, I see all these salvations, which is like, I'm rejoicing and I'm so excited and people are coming forward. And, but then what, um, are, if, if they're not getting discipled, if they're not getting some, if they're not being put in a family, with a mama and a papa. And yeah, what happens? What happens to a baby that's born and left on a doorstep or left out in a garbage can? They die. Yeah, they well, they they die, um, or they're really um, malnourished. Growth and they're malnourished and they're or they're just wild <laughs> out there, wow. you know. What I mean? And so it's like this bittersweet thing when I see huge, you know, altar calls because it's like I've seen so many people come in. And if they're not getting discipled, they'll either turn away and say, well, I, I tried that. And it's like, you never had a mama and papa. You were just left alone. And you, and so they wander away and they think that they had the gospel when they, they, when they never did, they never had the family God intended um, for them. I don't so, know the statistics. I, you know, I wish I did, but I'd, I've heard someone say before in some of these uh, mega churches where they're pouring in by the hundreds that they're pouring out as fast as they come in. It's about 20% every year. Okay. And so a church of 4,000, a thousand come in and a thousand go out every year. And I, I know I've been, you know, I've looked at, um, and again, we, we need, I mean, I can't put on, I can't individually put on some, you know, great evangelistic concert and, uh, message and, and, uh, you know, this Billy Graham, uh, era of ministry, um, with the crusades and the crowds and I, no one person could ever do that. And I think there is so important to have that opportunity and evangelism is one of the fivefold. Oh yeah. It's uh, part of the, it's part of the, it's, it's part of part, the kingdom, but it's, but, yeah, it's not all of it. And, no. and if we don't learn that we each 
play, we each are that function every single day and we are each responsible to have family unit every single day. I just, I started a couple things at my house. Um, so I have, um, uh, and it, it's actually going to turn into a, a website where, um, and it, everything I do is free. So anything I mention, everything I do is free. <laughs> so it will, uh, allow people to, um, log on and do the same thing I'm doing, but I have a dinner once a month for everybody in my community and I send out and it's uh, table time. And so I just do a big dinner and it's just, there's no agenda. It's just, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know my neighbors. I'm cooking you dinner. And uh, we just fill up the house with our neighbors uh, just to have fellowship. And, and That's I, awesome. I bless them before they come in. I also do that for people that we want to mentor. So it's a once a week thing, but it's just different groups of people. So these are people who are, um, we're, we're starting in the mentorship process because it, it happens obviously more than once a month because you start doing life together. I have a few people who are at my house every single day, <laughs> literally, um, just because God just showed me, you know what, if you're home, your doors are open. And young people know that there's several people that if they haven't opened up my fridge yet and helped themselves, then I'm upset because my kids open up my fridge and they help themselves. Um, awesome, there's Sandy. no place off limits in my house. I've made it that way. There's no place that somebody can't go in my home. My home is a sanctuary now. And so anyway, I, I really feel like God's going to do a movement to help open up homes and make them more of a sanctuary. I am convinced if the church families would begin as a whole, yeah. the majority would start saying, you know what, I'm going to take somebody in and invite someone into my family and I'm going to be their mom and dad spiritually and yep. practically and practically. Yep. It's going to mean practical too. It's uh, a sacrifice. It it's is a sacrifice because you've taken on somebody else to, to love and to yep. and take care and they're coming over again and yeah, it's like right. you gotta let your hair down and peel peel those eyelashes off <laughs> right and just be and just be yourself yeah. and love people and, it's, and it it would our churches would not only explode with growth in the sense of more bodies would be there but the people there would become spiritual giants and yeah, that's it'd be healthy yes yeah. that's that's what we're called to do. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I want to, is there any place, I know your husband, he's written a book called Automatic Influence and God uses both of you. Uh, yeah. and just in a, in a, can you tell us where to find all the stuff related to what your husband does? And um, Well, I, you know, his book, um, it teaches what's called perceptual intelligence. You've heard of emotional intelligence? Yes. He teaches perceptual intelligence and he actually um, in a scientific way, he's a behavioral economist, um, in a scientific way, he shows um, and explains to people um, who would normally say, well, I can't help the way I feel. He shows that you actually can. And somebody like we were talking about, what's my truth? He actually addresses those kind of issues from a root level. And that's Ooh, why he, I love it. he goes... He goes into a corporate sense, uh, a lot of corp, mostly corporate, but he's been going into a lot of churches lately and helping people understand this root level, how they can actually change the way they feel from an authentic biblical way. It's part of the renewing of the mind, but um, he's uh, all his information um, is Eric, uh, E-R-I-K, V-A-N-A-L-S-T-I-N-E.com, EricVanAlstein.com. Um, and pretty much everything he, um, when I say he, it's kind of we. We can do everything together now. Um, and then for me, I, I'm the behind the scenes kind of a person. I'm the mama. Um, I do a ton. I do a ton in the city, but I'm, I'm not a promoter no websites with my name on it. Okay. Um, so but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can put how to get in touch with me as well. Although I will tell you, um, I am starting a group shortly, um, called creators. Oh. And, um, I really felt like God, um, again, everything I do is free. So, um, I, re I really felt like God said it was time to start equipping people filled with the Holy spirit, um, for ideas in the marketplace. And that's kind of what I do. Um, I'm a product developer for um, the top 
four retail, four to six retailers, depending on the season. Um, so I felt like God said, Hey, start sharing your resources, start sharing your, um, everything I've learned for the last 25 years. That is so awesome. When, when will yeah. you have that website I'm up? Hoping by June. Okay. Um, I also have a manuscript that's, um, I, I had planned to go onto a different publishing, um, agency, but then, uh, was talked to by another publishing agency about doing it. Um, so hopefully by June, um, I have a book called, uh, the sequel that's oh. coming up well. And so both of those will have websites eventually. Um, but yeah, until then I'm, I'm kind of behind the scenes. <laughs> well, when you, when you get, when you get that up and you get this, the sequel ready, I definitely want to have yeah. you back. I've enjoyed you so much. For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.